0: on your monday episode of locked on raptors we put a bow on the 500th season to ever 500 plus a look at the upcoming play and tilt with the chicago bulls the good the bad and the hmm from the final weekend of the season and more it's all coming up thanks so much for hanging oh look like, because when i shot i expected to make it so like i don't shoot kind to miss. So. you are locked on raptors part of the locked on podcast network your team every day What's going on? Welcome to episode number 1377 of Lockdown Raptors for Monday, April the 10th. I'm your host, Sean Woodley. I've been covering the Toronto Raptors now for nine seasons on various platforms. You can find all of my work over on Twitter at Woodley Sean. You can also follow the show on Instagram. Just search up Lockdown Raptors for clips and uh, mailbag prompts and all that good stuff over there on IG. You can also go and join the Lockdown Raptors Discord server, which is popping off. It's been really fun over the course of the last Week or so, getting lots of people in there talking ball, talking Blue Jays baseball, talking crazy fake trade scenarios, the most insane takes you have. We have spaces for all of those things over in the Lockdown Raptors Discord. Please go to the uh, the link that is in the description and join the Discord server today. It's a ton of fun all right today's show is brought to you by our friends over at prize picks first time users can receive a 100 instant deposit matchup to 100 bucks with the promo code locked on that's prizepix.com. promo code locked on i also forgot to mention please subscribe to the show on youtube if you haven't yet please go subscribe on all your favorite podcast apps as well it's much appreciated hope everybody had a wonderful weekend hope everybody's having a happy passover happy easter all that good stuff let's get to it on today's show, we will dig into the games over the weekend a little bit against the Celtics and the Bucks. Pretty inconsequential. Mostly going to leave the Bucks game alone, just because end of season nonsense. Not really my favorite type of basketball to talk about, so we'll probably gloss over that one. But some thoughts from the Friday game and just sort of takes as a whole from the weekend for the Raptors as they finish up the season, forty-one and forty-one. I'll also have some quick thoughts on the Bulls as the matchup for the playing game. We'll have plenty of Bulls coverage coming up. This week, tomorrow, Vivek, Jacob, and I are going to do a what's more likely play-in game edition. That should be a ton of fun. And then Wednesday, I'll have an episode with Pat, the designer of Locked On Bulls, dropping early in the morning so you can get prepped for Raptors Bulls later that night. 7 p.m. at Scotiabank Arena. The plane's going down, baby. Can you feel the excitement? Can you feel it flowing through the city? Uh, the, the watch party in Maple Leaf Square Jurassic Park is going to be... Uh, Something to watch. (laughs) It might be really fun. It might be like a single game elimination, super fun uh, hangout, or it could be one of the more depressing things you've ever seen. We'll see. Either way, let's get into my sort of big takeaway, not from the weekend necessarily, but just... Of the season as a whole, now that it's done, we can kind of put a bow on things. Your Toronto Raptors finish 41 and 41. They finished 13th in offensive rating, 11th in defensive rating, 11th in net rating, but again, right in the middle at 41 and 41. And you know what? That kind of feels right. Uh, this team, I think, deserved to end up exactly 500 for a lot of different reasons, which I'm about to dive into, but. This just like narratively putting a nice bow as someone who likes my basketball seasons to have some sort of story structure and arc and something I can follow through and something that I can kind of look back on and pull from different themes and stuff like that. I would like, you know, a literary basketball viewing experience sometimes. This one felt exactly perfect. And to finish up in that game against the Bucks to, you know, get a win against a team that wasn't playing their best players with a team that isn't playing its best players, uh, certainly a way to even it up. But honestly, it feels right. 41 and 41 feels more apt than 40 and 42. This is a 500-ass team if we've ever seen it. Look, this was the type of team where every good thing had an equal and opposite bad thing to kind of counterbalance it, right? From individual player performances from statistical things that went on within the Raptors profile from just things that they did over the course of the season the various little pockets of the season in which they looked good always being countered by some stretch of the season where they looked bad the first half of the season they were this clutch time juggernaut I think in the first uh, leading into January 1st the Raptors were number three in clutch net rating in the league they were top five in both clutch offense and clutch defense after January 1st as the team unquestionably gets better as a whole, they end up 29th in clutch offense, 15th in clutch defense, 28th in clutch net rating. Nothing made sense about this season and when the Raptors decided to do well versus when they did not do well. Obviously, this is basically a team that was really two teams, right? It was the pre yaka Purtle Raptors and the post yaka and Raptors, I, and, I, and I don't think There's any denying that the post-Yak Raptors were better than the pre-Yak Raptors? I think that's pretty clear. They were 15-11. and They came in 17th in offense after the trade deadline, 6th in defense. That's something to build on. Problem is, there's not any time for this thing to be built on to be built on anymore this year because we run up against the play-in and the playoffs, and it's all very quickly coming to a close here. But (sighs) it's just... It's perfect. It really is perfect that they finish in this spot, considering all the oscillations of this season. This was not as bad a season as I think a lot of people want to make it out to be, right? Obviously... Disappointing. You win 48 games last season. You're hoping for at least a replication of that, if not some sort of improvement. They end up coming into the season as one of the favorites to end up in the top six, all the while recognizing the East is pretty loaded. There's a very real chance they end up at the play I think we prepared ourselves for this eventuality, but the pathway here has been pretty glum, pretty meh, pretty mid. Like, it's just been... Up and down. Like it's like it's been like Precious Achua, but as a basketball team over the course of 82 games. Like the highs, really, really high, Gets you super excited. You think, man, when this team looks good, they look like they can beat anybody. When they look bad, the bottom of the Precious Achua roller coaster, they're kicking it out of bounds. They are missing every three in the world. Like they just look completely lost defensively. There was no sort of middle ground with this team, it felt like. It was constantly either looking really good or really bad. And I think that kind of amplified the angst around the team this season, right? Like, if they were just okay all season long, you could make your peace with that, probably. It's just like, oh, they're an okay basketball team. They do some good things. They do some bad things They don't really, uh, you know, startle you one way or another. But when they looked good, they looked excellent. When they looked bad, they looked like a team not worth keeping together whatsoever. (laughs) And I think, again, it's perfect that they end up in this exactly 500 state you even go through the players right you get the body of work of a lot of these guys over the course of the season and about nets out to like okay that's about what I, that's about average that's about fine like no one really overshot their preseason expectations i would argue no one supremely undershot them there were stretches of the season where overshoots and undershoots were being done by certain guys you had og and starting the season on an absolute tear looking excellent and then as the Raptors got healthier and there were more mouths to feed, his usage dropped off a little bit. His comfort within the offense dropped off a little bit. He had really hot stretches from three and really bad stretches from three, all in all waiting out to about, like okay, that's like a pretty average outcome for, for OG and OB season. 17 a game, five boards, you know, obviously the defensive stuff from him was incredible and he should probably be on an all-defense team and all of that, but... As far as like preseason expectations, I don't think OG really overshot or undershot necessarily what we had for him coming in. Same goes for Pascal Siakam. He had really incredible stretches of the season. The first half of the year, he looked like full on, like in the top 10 conversation of basketball players in the whole wide world. Things fall off a little bit after Jakob Pertl arrives. He gets exhausted, clearly, and is kind of dragging his feet around and um, just kind of making the best he can of a bad situation as he was clearly not at the same. Just like physical level that he was earlier on in the year as the minutes, you know, compiled and and, and built up. Ultimately, it comes out to maybe a slightly less impressive total season compared to last year, but still a really good Pascal season didn't overshoot expectations didn't undershoot them was exactly where you expected him to be Fred Van Vliet same idea. A uh, really really bad start to the season. Played really good basketball to close the season. Never just steady. Never along the middle. But ultimately it nets out to 500 as hell. Same with Scotty Barnes, right? Like really really great flashes from Scotty this season. Some instances where he's got the ball in his hands and he's creating and he is the hub of the offense. Other stretches where he plays center is a predominant screener working from the short roll that looked really good. Plenty of other pockets of the season where Scotty Barnes was just not up to standard. And again, it nets out to mid as hell. Exactly kind of what you would have expected coming into the season for a lot of these guys. A frustrating season, a maddening season that also had plenty to get excited about. Plenty of things to kind of look to for the future and say, hey, that's something to grow on from OG and his development. Even Scotty, with his numbers maybe not looking like some sort of massive leap was taken. I think there was a lot of refinement of his game over the course of the season. That's stuff to build on going forward. You know, I think Pascal Siakam has kind of proven he's really, really good. Is he the number one player on a championship team? No, but that's seven players in the world we're talking about. And I don't think it's uh, any sort of denigration of Pascal Siakam's character to say that he's not quite that. But we, we know that, hey, this is a guy I think you're pretty comfortable with paying whatever his next contract's going to be because he's very good at basketball. There's nothing, everything from the numbers suggest he's very good. You watch him play basketball. He's very good. He was the only guy outside of Precious Achua who showed up on Friday night against the Celtics, all of that. You know, you go to war with Pascal Siakam. I think, you know, there's other stuff that didn't go so hot this year. You know, the, the questioning of Precious Achua and his long-term outlook. I think there's maybe been a bit of a... Just like a tempering of the expectations of him, just a touch. You know, Fred Van Vliet, obviously his future thrown into all sorts of uh, uncertainty and all of that. You got the Nick Nurse thing hanging over it all. Ultimately, all of the good, all of the bad this season came together to net out to a very average basketball team that did not feel average basically at any moment. It was one or the other. This team deserves to be 500. A super frustrating year going to go down as one of the more maddening Raptors seasons of my lifetime. You know, the Tampa season sucked. It was a miserable slog, but at least you could kind of like say, hey, well, half the team got sick. They're in Tampa. They're playing against, uh, you know, road crowds or home crowds, essentially, for the other team down in Tampa a lot of the time. That season you could make your peace with. This one, not so much. It's just really, really frustrating that all of the goods, all of the bads net out to this 500 team, but I don't think they deserved any other fate Actually, and uh, we'll see how things go in the playing and playoffs. I don't think the sort of tone and tenor of the evaluation of this season is going to change all that tangibly based on what happens in the postseason. You know, maybe they get through the plane. Maybe they get to a first round series with the bucks. They're not going to beat the bucks unless some sort of divine miracle happens. And so I think we can probably start to really judge this season now with the outcome of the playoffs being maybe more of just sort of a, a window dressing, a garnish, a cherry on top to whatever this was. Maybe it's a cherry on top of a crap Sunday. I don't know. Um, either way. That's kind of uh, me putting a bow on this regular season. We will have plenty of more in depth conversation about the regular season as we go forward. But man, oh man, did this team ever live up to the 41 and 41 record they had? You are what your record says you are. This Raptors team was 500. As it gets, we're going to come back on the other side, get into some weekend takeaways uh, in the form of a good, the bad, and the hmm, a quick run through the games against the Boston Celtics and the Milwaukee Bucks. Mostly thoughts on the Celtics game because that one actually had a little bit of meaning to it, even though it didn't quite feel like it. And the Raptors sure didn't play like it. We'll get to that in just one second before we do that. However, got to tell you about our dear friends over at Prize Picks who have made daily fantasy sports super fun, super easy, and very, very accessible. You got to go check them out. The playoffs are coming. This is a perfect time to get into daily fantasy sports. There's no season-long slog. There's a slate of games every single night. You can go ahead and have yourself some fun with prize picks by picking just two to six players on any entry you can go through. And really, all you're doing is picking are they going to get more or less than the projection they have for a given stat. So... Pascal Siakam, 23 and a half points, more or less. You get the more and you get it correct. You're, that's that's one in your, in your coffers for your entry. If you get all six of your picks correct on your prize pick entry, you can get up to 25 times your money back. That is incredible. No competing against other people. It's just you versus the projections. There's more than just the NBA as well. Every single sport under the sun is available over at PrizePix. Go peruse all the different leagues you can go and play daily fantasy sports with. Entries can be made in 60 seconds or less. You get safe and fast withdrawals, and they're currently operational in over 30 states and in Canada in every province except for Ontario at the moment. Download the PrizePix app or go to prizepix.com to sign up and play daily fantasy sports. First time users can receive a 100% instant deposit match up to 100 bucks with the promo code LOCKED ON. If you deposit, at 100 bucks. Price picks will give you 100 dollars to hang out with your original 100 bucks in the account. That's great. Don't forget to use the promo code Locked On at sign up for an instant deposit match up to 1,000 dollars with Price picks. The NBA playoffs are right around the corner, and Locked On NBA is here daily to keep you caught up with all the late season drama. Every Monday, Jackson Gatlin rounds up the three biggest stories around the league All right, we continue on here with your first listen of the day. Thanks so much for tuning in. Also, again, a reminder, join the Discord server over the link in the description, either audio or video-wise. It's in there. It's a really fun time. Come hang out, build a nice little community, a little spot to hang out and talk about the team. It's good times. All right, let's get to it. The good, the bad, and the hmm from the weekend that was a one and one weekend against the Celtics and the Bucks. Not exactly the juice you want with, uh, you know, being the last week of the season and all that. Uh, Of course, the Celtics play Jason Tatum. they play Al Horford. They don't play Marcus Smart or Jalen Brown on Friday. And very similar in terms of the uh, level of effectiveness of the Raptors against whatever the Celtics had to throw against them. Obviously, they had a better job defending against the Celtics on Wednesday than they did on Friday. But a pretty nasty game overall. 121-102. Let's run through the good, the bad, and the hmm, shall we? Uh, Like... The good for me, it's Precious Achua. I think closing the season really strong. He had the sixteen and seven on Friday, fourteen and thirteen, I believe, against the Bucks yesterday as well. And look, I don't really know what my big full takeaway for Precious Achua's season is just yet. We'll do a full Precious Achua season in review episode in the coming weeks once the season wraps up. Um, but I, I think it's fair to say, like I said off the in the first segment, I think my level of hope and optimism about Precious Achua's long-term outlook is maybe a little bit tempered after this season. You know, I was pretty high on him as like a very no-doubt core piece of the team just a year ago after he spent the last part of the season bombing in 39% of his threes on like four attempts a game and attacking off closeouts and defending every position under the sun. It was really, really a joy to watch Precious Achua last season, and this whole season Felt like it was kind of chasing that feeling once again with him. There were moments, right? Like after he came back from his first injury, um, he gets back in there in January and plays some really good basketball. Then the trade happens and he kind of gets thrown for a loop. But last 10 games or so, pretty solid stuff from Precious. You know, about ten and a half a game, six boards, shoots thirty-five percent on four uh sorry, thirty-five percent on threes on three attempts a game. Um you know that's that's not bad that is a, a way to finish the season on a high note at least compared to the roller coaster that was a lot of this season for precious and i think for me uh, you know maybe a star is not on the table here with precious maybe his offensive instincts his playmaking just not there enough for ever for him to ever really ascend to star status but i think his defense remains so good and i think it was as good this year as it was the previous year probably better for for long stretches so many standout moments of him just ruining dude's days in particular i think of trey young quite a bit uh but not just trey young lots of guys suffered the wrath of precious when he was switched on to them or whatever over the course of this season um and i think because of how good his defense is it's not going to take a whole lot for him to approach pretty good role player level I think pretty high end role player is where I'm looking here for Precious down the line. I think next season you kind of reimagine his role. He becomes basically a full time four playing next to Christian Coloco in bench lineups um, with Coloco as the backup five. I think there's something there. I think there's something to build on. Um, You know, it's possible he gets dealt in the offseason as well. As you know, I've, I've kind of posited there's a chance here for the Raptors to maybe move one of Boucher or Precious for a guard in a sort of a need for need trade with a team that's guard flush but light on forward forward depth and and I I wonder if maybe we see the Boucher Achua duo broken up at some point here but either way the nice close to the season here for Precious the highs that we saw at various stretches throughout make me still believe he should be part of the team going forward do I think he should be you know cast as some future savior and star alongside Scotty Barnes probably not but can he be an excellent role player on the Scotty Barnes era of the Raptors absolutely I think he can be the defense is that good to me he profiles as the type of guy who, with a little bit more offensive refinement, is going to be able to play in a playoff series. And that is kind of the bar. Can he play in a playoff series? I think his defense plays enough. He just needs a little bit more of massaging on the offensive end, and we've seen it in spurts and flashes. If he can do what he's done down the last 10 games here next season, 11 a game, 6 boards, and shoot 35% from 3 on a few attempts a game... That's all you need. That will get him on the floor and have him be a very, very valuable bench piece for this team, perhaps even be in like six-man conversations or like more artsy six-man conversations because he's not going to have the points, but for those who appreciate defense in the six-man conversation, I feel like Precious maybe has a shot at it next year if, uh, you know, like he's not going to win it, but he'll be like the the NBA podcaster edition of, of, <laughs> of the six-man of the year, um, something like that. Anyway. High-end role player, I think, is still there, and it was nice to see him close the season strong. Hopefully, he gets pretty regular run in the play and I think we'll talk about it in the next segment. I think there's a couple defensive things that are kind of intriguing about this matchup with the Bulls, and I wonder how Precious plays into all of those things. We'll get to that coming up later on. But let's get to the bad from the weekend, and honestly, it's just like, he couldn't have kept that game against Boston close for more than five minutes. I know their ninth seed fate, Felt pretty much secure at that point. Like, you win that game, the Hawks probably try on Sunday and end up winning anyway and get ahead of you in the standings because of the tiebreaker. I understand that, but there was still a world in which the Raptors could be the eighth seed if they just won that game against Boston, won on Sunday, and hope for some help from Atlanta, and instead it was just five minutes into the game against Boston. Nope, we're the ninth seed. We're done. It's not happening. Um, pretty tough stuff, man. Just like a really, really... Moribund performance from the Raptors and look again, I my that upset about it Not really like it's a game that I, I, there's human nature that seeps in if you know You're gonna be the ninth seed in all likelihood Maybe you're just gonna take the foot off the gas a little bit sure just give me a little more, man. Just give, just give me a little more. Just give me, like, two quarters of uh, competitive basketball instead of being down 12 to 2 in four minutes and not really having a shot at all in this game. Shout-out to Jason Tatum, by the way. That guy's incredible. Um, He is so hard to guard. He is the master of the Eurostep and, like, the, the tunnel drill, it seems. Like, he's, like, constantly running a tunnel drill, like a football player at the Combine. The way he just puts defenders on their back foot with his footwork in close. The way he kind of just covers so much ground zigzagging. He's really 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 good really really excellent i hate it so much uh and I, honestly that leads me to the hmm kind of glad that the raptors are not going to end up playing the boston celtics in the playoffs look if they play the bucks they're going to lose probably anyway but like the way the bucks play the nature of that matchup I think it would be a more competitive and fun series to watch. There's a world in which the Celtics just blow out the Raptors four times in a row, and it's all done because the Celtics get hot from three. Um, the Bucks, I think there's a little bit more of a competitive series in there if the Raptors really want there to be. Again, I think they're losing in five no matter what, but uh, glad that's not going to happen. But that said, the hmm for me is A.J. Griffin. And you might be asking, Sean, why A.J. Griffin? He doesn't play for the Raptors or the Celtics or the Bucks. AJ Griffin and his buzzer beater on November the 19th, back all the way near the start of the season, I believe, when Pascal Siakam was still out of the lineup, or maybe he was just back. I can't remember exactly how it all worked in terms of the timeline. Either way, you lose that game to the Atlanta Hawks on a AJ Griffin buzzer beater from Trey Young at a half-court lob because Scotty Barnes kind of melts down and breaks, you know, can't figure out whether to stick with A.J. Griffin or come to contest the potential Trey Young game-winning three. That play leads the Raptors to lose the tiebreak against the Atlanta Hawks, and now they are in the ninth seed as opposed to the eighth seed. It's down to that margin. Now, look, I know there are a million different flashpoints you could look at this season and say, hey, that's why the Raptors are 41 and 41 as opposed to 42 and 40. Um, But that one comes to mind because it was against the Hawks. It had tiebreaker implications. Millions of other things could have gone the Raptors' way and gotten them to a better record than what they're at. Again, though the world, the, the universe was conspiring to have them be super duper 500. I think, um, but that one freaking game, that one just breakdown defensively after a really really fun basketball game against the Hawks is the reason why your Toronto Raptors are in the do or die 9 10 game and not with a little cushion in that 7 8 game. Kind of hilarious. Uh, <laughs> sure, hilarious. That's that's a word for it. We're gonna come back on the other side. Get into my early impressions of Raptors, Bulls, some quick thoughts, interesting matchup stuff, some numbers to go through. We'll dig into that and close out the show. And then again, lots more Bulls talk coming up as we come up to the play-in game on Wednesday with Vivek tomorrow and then Pat, the designer from Lockdown Bulls on Wednesday. But I'll just give you my initial first blush, no predictions or anything like that. We're not going to get serious with it, just my initial thoughts on things I'll be watching in the Raptors-Bulls play-in game. We'll get to that in just one second, but first, got to tell you, better friends over at Ultimate Basketball GM. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is one of the very coolest games you're ever going to play. If you're the type of person who loves to manage a sports team, maybe you play 2K, but don't actually play the games and just sim to the off season. Well, guess what? What if they built the whole plane out of off season and being the manager of the team? Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is what that is. Essentially, it's a simulation where you deal with challenging personalities, players and coaches. (laughs) Nick Nurse, hiring the right coaches and assistants, training and training players, making draft picks, navigating your franchise through free agency in the draft, and all the ups and downs of multiple seasons, all in a challenging, realistic game world. Ultimate Pro Basketball GM is completely free and playable offline. You can play on the go as you want and when you want to. You can play in leagues with your friends as well. So if you don't want to play fantasy sports, maybe this is a fun alternative to that you're not tied to what's going on in the games it's just you're playing with your with your buds in basketball gm trying to beat them pat the designer by the way going to be on the show on Wednesday. He just keeps on cleaning up in our Locked On leagues. He's really, really good at this game. I am not. Locked On Raptors listeners get a 100% free boost to their franchise by using the promo code Locked On in the game store. So make sure you check it out. To download the game, just visit probasketballgm.com. Scan the code or look it up on the app stores. That's probasketballgm.com. Ultimate Basketball GM. Start your dynasty today. No matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax experts make them count. Alright, we continue on here. Closing out the show with some quick first blush impressions of the Raptors-Bulls matchup in the play-in on Wednesday. It became official on Friday with the loss to the Boston Celtics, and I've been ruminating on it a little bit. I think this is going to be a fun game. Obviously, you get like the sort of narrative subplot of DeMar DeRozan coming back, the inevitable turnaround jumper he's going to hit in crunch time that's going to make all of us feel very, very sad. Uh, that's certainly on the table as an outcome here, for sure. Um... That said, I think the Raptors stand a pretty good chance of winning this game even with the DeMar of it all and the sort of cosmic things that could go wrong here. Raptors go 2-1 and one in the season series. That probably doesn't really count for much considering the first two games came on November the 6th and 7th when these were wildly different basketball teams. Both of these teams may be two of the sort of biggest mid-season turnarounds, I would say, or like dead, post-deadline turnarounds, just in terms of like style of play and overall performance. The Bulls were pretty ugly, nasty to watch for the first part of the season. Patrick Beverly comes in and they've been like a real team since then. And the Caruso, uh, Alex Caruso, Patrick Beverly, Zach Levine, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic lineup has been one of the best lineups, other than the Raptors, starting five since the trade deadline. 115.6 offensive rating, 100.9 defensive rating. They're defending the hell out of the ball. 14.7 net rating. Uh, Pretty low assist rate. They don't whip the ball around and create a ton of opportunities for steals and stuff, which is interesting, considering what the Raptors do very well. That said, the Raptors do have a bit of an ace in the hole in this matchup, and that is... OG Ananobi guarding DeMar DeRozan. Uh, You know, the Raptors obviously have an OG. It's it's a very nice thing to have when you get into matchup basketball in a do-or-die situation. Some of the numbers from OG guarding DeMar this season, they're pretty incredible. So... Over the course of the season, per the NBA's matchup data, which again, I I have to give this caveat every time, there's noise to it, but I actually think they do a pretty good job of telling the story of a game and a defensive matchup for the most part, Um, and so this season... DeMar DeRozan was the second most guarded player by OG Adenobi all season long behind only Donovan Mitchell just by a few minutes and uh, they played one more game against Donovan Mitchell than they played against DeMar. Uh, So had it been a full season, I think DeMar would have been the guy that OG guarded the most, which what a very painful distinction for DeMar um, considering how unpleasant it seems to be guarded by OG Ananobi. 118.3 partial possessions on the season. The Bulls scored 101 points on those possessions on which OG was guarding DeMar. DeMar scored 14 points. Um, if you you know bring 118 possessions over the course, that's more than a full game's worth of possessions. Um, so 14 points on 3 of 5 shooting, 8 of 9 from the line. And on those possessions, he had six assists and six turnovers as well. The Bulls scored 0.85 points per possession on those 118.3 partial possessions. That is very bad. Uh, Very good if you're the Raptors. OG seems to have DeMar's number. As much as DeMar can kind of bait him the odd time into fouling, obviously a thing you want to watch, foul count in a single elimination game, but... Uh, He's done quite well guarding DeMar DeRozan this season, and the Bulls have had to find other channels for offense, really, when they've played against Toronto, and a lot of the time that's been Zach Levine. Um, I'm fascinated by how the Raptors handle Zach Levine in this game. Um, You know, I think we'll probably see Scotty Barnes get some run on him. He's been better defensively of late. Second half of the season, I think there's been some real strides there, but I still have worries about him as an on-ball defender. Um, You know, he gets up too close to guys. He can get blown by quick. And Zach Levine, we know, is a pretty quick first step. Although I think it's been a little bit less pronounced and less impressive this season as, you know, kind of age and knee injuries catch up to him a little bit. He's still very good. He's still scoring just like ludicrously efficiently and all of that. Um, So they're going to have to have some sort of plan for Zach Levine. Uh, maybe Scotty's the guy. Maybe the they flow through Zach Levine more than they would typically flow through him with DeMar kind of being cut off with the OG of it all. Maybe that gives the opportunity for the Raptors to send a whole lot of attention Zach Levine's way. I actually think if you're the Raptors, you probably hope that they have Zach Levine be their sort of primary creator in this one just because uh, you can send extra attention his way and not worry about it swinging to him. He's probably their most dangerous guy on the catch swinging to the weak side. Um, Catch and shoot, obviously, he's really good. He's got that first step. um, Can get to the bucket all he wants. And him attacking a tilted defense... Sounds not so fun, but if you are tilting the defense by sending two to the ball with him there, and you can scramble back or funnel shots to Caruso or Beverly, that feels like maybe a strategy, a game in which the Raptors' actual base defense can work, and and Nick Nurse's ideas actually kind of have some merit, Um it's tough, like, you don't want to end up getting burned by wide-open threes by a hot Alex Caruso on the wrong night. That could certainly happen, but I'd much rather that than just kind of giving Zach Levine free reign to the bucket. And I just, I'm worried about who they're going to use to guard him one-on-one. I You know, Pascal's going to get some time, I'm sure. Fred has had some time. Excuse me, as I sip some Joe. As my uh, voice decides to crack. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I think Fred has had some moments where he's been not super hot on the ball many moments this season. Obviously, I think that's been a little bit less of an issue since Jakob Purtle arrived. You have that back line of defense. But also, I mean, Nick, Nick Vucevic, he's the kind of stretch big who has given the Raptors some issues to scheme around with Jakob Pirtle. I wonder if maybe there's a bit of a change in the way they do things here. Maybe they stick Yaka Pertle on Patrick Beverly or Alex Caruso and just kind of dare them to shoot all night and ensure that you have, um, you know, someone else, whether it's Pascal guarding Vooch or probably Pascal, maybe Scotty is like a is like a help guy who can come back over uh, from the to help with the rim, that type of stuff. But I do think uh, the, the Levine conundrum is one for the Raptors to deal with. They only got one at OG Ananobi. How they work around that is fascinating. And that's where Precious Achua comes in, right? I think Precious Achua, as a guy you can sl- slot in there to switch, you know, you can fill him in, you know, maybe he replaces Yaka pertle for some stretches against that Bulls starting five. Um, you know, we've seen them take Yak out in, in lieu of a Gary Trent Jr. or a Precious at times this season. I may- Maybe that's a way to do it so you can switch across and have Precious and OG kind of team up to be that tandem to guard Zach Levine and uh and Demar Derozan, rosen you stick uh pascal siakam on nick vucevic you can switch him onto levine or Derozan rosen in, in a pinch as well it's a really interesting matchup two teams that are still like very fresh and we're still kind of learning about them in a lot of ways less than a half a season a sample for these teams as they're currently constructed really that february 28th game is the only one that carries any merit i think to um what this matchup is going to hold for us but I think the Raptors, because they have OG, because they have some different ways they can get better defenders on the floor, they've shown a capacity for taking Yak out when it when the time calls for it, I think there's a pathway here for the Raptors to really flummox the Bulls offense, and the Bulls offense is bad, like let's, we don't need to uh, get uh, too, you know, delicate with it, they're not a good offensive team, they've been really, really tricky, um, you know, they're just, they're, 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 their offense stinks, like it just, it does not create a lot of good shots. And I think the Raptors stand a pretty good chance, but their sixth best defense since the Acropertle trade there as sort of their their bellwether and their thing to kind of hold them up in this game. Even if their offense struggles against what's been a very good Bulls defense, I think uh, that the Raptors should have a pretty good shot at this one. Again, I'm not ready to make a full prediction yet. I want to go back and watch that game um, from February the 28th when the Raptors beat the Bulls, 104-98. To really have a full opinion on it, but and I'll make a prediction between now and Wednesday, I suppose. But that's sort of my first, these are the things I'm keeping an eye on, things I'm watching as uh, we draw nearer to the play-in game on Wednesday. Which, look, I know no one wants to be here. Everyone's pissed. The the play-in is stressful. It's also just like setting yourself up to be waxed by the Bucks in the first round. I get all of that. Let's have some fun with it. Single elimination basketball. There's a reason March Madness rules. It's because single elimination basketball is one of the best things in all of sports. I'm choosing to enjoy it. If they lose, hey, their pick's a little bit better. If they win, we get more single elimination basketball. As much as this season's been a bummer, I'm choosing to enjoy the next couple days and have some fun with this play-in nonsense. It's sports. It gets dumb sometimes. The playing being a perfect example. Enjoy the dumb of sports. That's kind of the best thing about sports to me at least, is the dumb stuff. Anyway, we'll round it there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We'll be back again tomorrow playing What's More Likely Play-In Edition with Vivek Jacob as he returns from his vacation. Uh, We also have, again, Pat, the designer of Locked On Bulls, coming up on Wednesday morning to tee up Raptors, Bulls, in the plane. We'll break down the plane on Thursday, of course, as well. All sorts on tap for the week. Very much looking forward to it all. And uh, thank you so much for tuning in, for making us your first listen of the day, and for joining the Locked on Raptors Discord server. If you haven't done it yet, the link is in the description. Please go do it. We're having lots of fun in there. It'll be a place to be on Wednesday night as the plan's going down for sure, so you want to go ahead And do that and uh my voice is failing me now so i'm going to shut up and leave you thank you so so much for tuning in follow subscribe rate review all that good stuff follow the show on instagram lockdown raptors it's over there right now you can go and give it a follow and uh, follow me on twitter at woodley sean as well if you're still someone who uses twitter which maybe you shouldn't be it's bad website uh anyway thanks so much we'll talk to you tuesday thanks for hanging